Terry Fox. I think everybody in Canada should know who he is. Uh, he's kind of a, a hero of mine. He was 22 years old when he decided to run the Marathon of Hope across Canada. I was 20. So this was very impressionable for me uh, when I saw him running on TV and I was wondering, what is this guy doing? His hope was to raise $1 for every living Canadian. At the time, there was 25 million Canadians. That was his goal uh, for cancer research. He started his Marathon of Hope in St. John's, uh, Newfoundland. And uh, in April 12, 1980, he ran 40 miles every day, 60 kilometers. And by June, he was running through the streets of this city. And he continued running for 143 days, traveling 5,373 kilometers all the way to Thunder Bay uh, before the spreading cancer finally ended his passion. His, he had to qu quit his quest. And ultimately, that cancer cost him his life. But his efforts would have lasting, worldwide legacy. The annual Terry Fox Run was first held in 1981, a year after, or I'm not sure if he was dead yet even, but it's grown to uh, include millions of participants worldwide. 60 different countries hold uh, the Terry Fox Run. And it's the largest one-day fundraiser for cancer research ever. And so far, over six, eight, 800 million has been raised in his name as of two years ago. Pretty incredible. You can't help admire this guy's tenacity. I mean, uh, running halfway across Canada on one leg? I mean, it's unbelievable. And I've always wondered, what, kept, what keeps him going? What, what kept... Terry Fox going. What do you think? Hope. hope? Yeah, I suppose. He, he had hope for actually for his own rehabilitation and healing. Yeah. Desire. Passion. Purpose. This is what kept him going, right? He had a plan. He had a purpose. He said, I want to beat cancer. And if I don't beat it, at least I want to leave a legacy where other people can beat cancer. And that was his purpose, that was his plan, that was, that's what drove him. Uh, he, that, that's what got him up in the morning. I mean, why would you get up in the morning and run 60 kilometers? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I ain't doing that. <laughs> but this guy did it on one leg. I mean, come on, this is crazy. He wasn't a doctor, so he couldn't do research. So what did he do? He took what he had, he was an athlete, he took what he had, and he, put, he applied it to his purpose in life, and he decided to run across Canada and raise money for cancer. Uh, he used what had been given to him, his athleticism, for purpose to do that. People who have a very defined purpose for the activities that they do, they can do amazing things. And Terry Fox did amazing things. But, you know, there's also explorers like Ernest Shackleton who did amazing things. There's also great astronauts like 
Neil Armstrong walking on the moon. There's also amazing doctors who, because of their purpose in life, they know what they're called to do. They do amazing things. William uh, Mayo, starting the Mayo Clinic. Amazing. And great missionaries like William Carey, Jim Elliott, Elizabeth Taylor, Hudson uh, Taylor, Adniram Judson, Amy Carmichael. These people had one thing in common. They knew why they lived. They knew what they had to do. They knew that God was, had called them to do a specific task in life. They had purpose. Um, they all lived their life with the purpose of their life front and center. They wanted to make their lives count. You see, if you really don't know why you're living, if you really don't know why you got up in the morning, you go to work, come home, watch TV, go to bed, get up in the morning, go to work, go home, watch TV, go to bed, go up. If, you, if that's all there is to life, well, I'm sorry for you. <laughs> that's a very sad, sad existence. This gets old pretty quick. <laughs> Eventually you realize this isn't living, this is just existing. And if you have no purpose in life, your drive for life, it dries up. I mean, there was a time when I was young, my purpose in life was to have a good time. But you know what? That only lasts a certain amount of time, and after a while, it just goes away. Eventually, every passion you have fades away. Eventually, that fire burning in your soul that maybe God put there, it just burns out. Having a clear purpose drives our passion. I mean, think of the war in Russia, or in Ukraine, right? Think about the purpose of the two armies. One army from Russia doesn't really know what its objectives is, doesn't really know why it's there. And so this, this, the third largest superpower in the world has a really hard time winning a war in just a, a normal country. Like, what is going on? I think it's because they don't really know what their purpose is. They don't know what they're doing there. But let me tell you, the Ukrainian army, they know what they're doing. <laughs> they have purpose. And that is to get the enemy out of their country, to, to defend their country. Their purpose is very, very clear. And so I think this is one of the reasons why this war is dragging on and why Russia hasn't just stomped out this country. It's because of the, the two different armies have much different purposes. You see... So this morning, I'd like to ask you a very pertinent question. Think about this question. I'm going to put it up on the screen. What is the pur- your purpose in life? I know you're not Terry Fox, so you're not raising millions for cancer. That was his purpose. What's your purpose? And secondly, uh, what are you trying to accomplish with your life? It's kind of the same question, really. What are you trying to accomplish with your life? Are you just trying to get to tomorrow? Make sure that, you know, the bills are paid and there's food in the fridge and, and that's your whole purpose in life? That's a pretty small purpose. Is your purpose just to grow as much wealth as you possibly can? That's a really tiny purpose. Is your purpose in life just to become really well-known, all your friends at school to like you? Is that your purpose in life? That's a really small purpose. <laughs> But you know what? 
Is there a big purpose to your life? Is there like, this is why I'm here. This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm meant to do. And by God's grace, I'm going to do it to the very end. Do you have something like that? Or is it just, hmm, whatever. Trying to do the best I can. The point is, we need a purpose for our lives. If we go on without a purpose, we dry up, we wither up, we we don't live for anything. Uh, it's not uncommon to find people without a purpose for living, but we need it. Some people just simply exist until they can bear it no longer, or they try to fill their meaningless life with empty, meaningless pursuits. Something now, some people think that their purpose in life is very real and they have a good purpose in life and they aim for it and they achieve it. And when they achieve it, they look at this, this great purpose of their life and it feels like a handful of, of sand running out of their hand. It just didn't have what they thought it was going to be. Um, I, I, I was uh, reading about well, well, for one thing, people who look for riches or fame, that's often what happens to them. But sometimes they, they have meaningful goals. I remember um, reading this article this week uh, about U.S. astronauts going to the moon, walking on the moon. Their whole life is focused on getting to the moon. And then they get to the moon, and they walk on the moon. And I would say, like, that's a pretty impressive purpose for your life, you know? One small step for man, one big step for humanity, right? Uh, that's a pretty big deal. But you know what? Almost all the astronauts that walked on the moon, when they came home, they got depressed. Because, well, they did it. And now what is there? Nothing. Nothing can beat that. And it doesn't last. It didn't have fulfillment. It didn't change anything, really. And um, one of them said his whole life revolved around the mission to land on the moon. Once the mission was completed, he experienced severe depression. He concluded that the only lasting reason for living had to be found in God. And he became a Christian. And I'm told that two other astronauts had the same experience, and they became Christians. Now, these are very learned, wise people who've gone through a lot of training. Um, and they became Christians and be, got involved in Christian ministry because it gave them purpose for their life. So what about you? Are you just trying to survive, or are you here to have significance? Let me just define what purpose is. Purpose is that which a person sets before himself as an object to be reached or accomplished, an end or aim to which the view is directed in any plan, measure, or exertion. Does that make sense? In other words, you're aiming at something. You're going to get something. You're going to do something. That's purpose. And so I ask you, do you have purpose? You know, the purpose when you're building a house is to have shelter. Purpose of when we you know, go out for work is to have sustenance, you know, to get paid. <laughs> purpose of a pen is to write. Purpose of, of many things, very obvious. But sadly, a lot of Christians don't know what their purpose in life is. It's kind of sad. And so they go through the motions, but they don't really know why. Have you ever heard about the little girl who went to her mom and said, Mom, how come you cut the ends of the meat off before you put it in the, in the roasting pot? 
And she goes, oh, well, I think it's, you know, to absorb some of the spices better. I'm not really sure, actually. You should ask your grandma, because I, I learned this from her. She always did it, so I do it. And so the little girl went to her grandmother, and she said, Grandma, um, what, why do you cut the ends of the, you and Mom, cut the ends of the, the roast off before you put it in the oven? And the grandma said, oh, well, I, I think it's, it's so that more juices suck into the meat. And, but I, I don't really know. I, I learned it from your Nana. Why don't you go ask her? <laughs> and so little girl goes to Nana and crawls up on her lap and says, Nana, how, how come Grandma and Mom cut the ends off the meat just like you do? And Nana says, well, I don't know why they did it, but I did it because the pot was too small. <laughs> And this illustrates that sometimes we do things we don't even know why we do them. Why do you come to church? Why do you go to a small group? Why do you do those things? Do you, do you even know? Is there a purpose in those things? Um, we need to know why we're, why we're here, you know? So let me ask you again, what's the purpose in your life? Why, what are you trying to accomplish in your life? We've been talking for a number of weeks now. Uh, the sermon that never ends, as it were. <laughs> We've been talking about passion killers, right? Things, uh, things of throwing a wet blanket on the fire of God in our life. The, the things that demotivate us, right? Um, and so surely, the unclear purpose is a big one. When we don't have a clear purpose, we just don't feel like doing anything. You ever get up in the morning on a Saturday morning and you have nothing to do? What do you do? Well, you sleep in. You laze about. (laughs) You you don't really (laughs) check your emails. Maybe something's happening. I don't know. It's just, right? There's no urgency. There's no inspiration. Um, We need purpose. It's easy to forget why we're here on earth. We get distracted by budgets, bills, babies, basketball, baseball, all kinds of things. We forget the reasons God put us here. What? So you start feeling like lethargy, right? Like Isaiah. This is what Isaiah says. I labored to no purpose. I've spent my strength in vain and for nothing. <laughs> Ooh, Isaiah had some bad days too. <laughs> you know? Uh, but passion and purpose go together, as I've said. Um, Hobbes wrote this about passion. Passion is waking up in the morning, wherever you are, and bounding out of bed because you know that there's something out there that you love to do, that you believe in, that God made you for, that you're good at, something that's bigger than you and that you can hardly wait to get at it again. It's something that you'd rather be doing than anything else and you wouldn't give it up for money because it means so much more than money. And for me, these, these things that, that create passion in my life are, the per, are very similar to the purposes of my life. They're part of it. You know, telling Bible stories, witnessing, preaching, teaching. Uh, these are all part of my passion in life and my purpose Uh, and so this is what jesus said whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves take up their cross and follow me who wants ever wants to save their life will lose it whoever wants to lose their life for me will save it what good is for someone to gain the whole world yet lose or forfeit their very self 
You know, this is a powerful passage. Jesus is basically saying, you know, you can do whatever you want for yourself. You know, you can get riches and fame and fortune and whatever you want to do. But if you lose your own soul, what have you done? Nothing. To be Christ's disciple means sacrifice. Taking up a cross doesn't sound that exciting. Sounds kind of deadly. Uh-huh, pun intended. Yes. <laughs> it's brutal to be a Christian, to take up your cross, to suffer for Christ. And yet this gives us purpose in the world. Paul says, run in such a way as to get the prize. So Rick Warren is a pastor who wrote a book. Remember, what's the book he wrote? Purpose Driven Life. Exactly. It was the world's bestseller for many years and so he sold tons of them. So he has summed up God's five purposes for our life. The book sold millions. You know, I don't think I can do any better. So I'm just going to use his five purposes that he would gleaned from the scriptures. Um, and so the first one is, we are planned for God's pleasure. So your first purpose is to offer God real worship. You know, the Westminster Catechism says the chief end of man is to worship God and enjoy him forever. And so our worship of God, our communion with God is absolutely vital. It's our first purpose in life, to bring glory to God. Now, we bring glory to God just by breathing. We're his creation. And he's like, I'm so proud of my people. Just by living, they exalt God. But it goes beyond that. When we live a holy life, Our lives exalt God, worship God. When we worship God and we praise Him because He is great and greatly to be praised, we were that is our purpose. And we fulfill that purpose. Secondly, we are formed to be God's family. And so we are our one of the purposes we have in life is to enjoy fellowship with the family of God which is why I'm so glad we all get to meet here (laughs) and see each other and talk with each other in fellowship. This is vital. The Bible says, um, let us consider how we might spur one another on to love and good deeds. I love that word. You know what a spur is? It's it's what those cowboys use to, to kick the horses, make it go faster, you know? This is what we're supposed to do while we're here in this place. This is why I preach every week. Because uh, I'm like a spur, you know, kicking you in the butt. Get going, you know. <laughs> do some work, do some ministry. Get, get your life together, whatever. That That's part of why we get together. And you do this, I hope you do the same for me. People who are sharing or worshiping God, when I see some people worship God, I'm just like, I want to be like that. I want to do that. That's We spur one another on to love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. This is my wife's favorite verse, I think. She just loves the sarcasm here. You know, it's just like not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. You know? <laughs> but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. This is because this is God's purpose for us, to spur one another on, to encourage one another, to build each other up in the most holy faith. Thirdly, we are created to become like Christ. This is a purpose in our life. God says, I want you to be just like my son Jesus Christ. I want you to shine like him. I want you to live like him. I want you to have power like him. I want you to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that when people see your life, they go like, whoa, what's with this guy? And they remind everybody of Jesus Christ. Um, And so we need to have real discipleship. 
you know, we need to have people who mentor us. We need to be in classes. We need to read our Bibles. We need to be in church. Uh, these are the things that create, that fulfill that purpose that God has created in us to become Christ-like. And this fulfills, gives us fulfillment. So it's kind of funny, you know, sometimes we think, well, we need to do these great deeds. No, you need to be who God created you to be, first and foremost. Worshiping, fellowshipping, and being discipled. These are vital purposes for which we live. Um, but now comes the big, let's get out there and do things. We are shaped to serve God. And so the fourth purpose is to practice real ministry, ministering to people. Ephesians 2, verse 10. I love this verse. It says this. We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Uh, that's the great part. Like you've been, you've, Christ died on the cross, sent his Holy Spirit to give you the new birth. So what? So that you could do good works. But look at the next part of this. It says, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You know what that tells me? That God has a specific plan for what he wants you to do with your life. A specific purpose for your life and your life alone. It's different than my life, different than Terry Fox. You know, we're not out there raising money for Ken. I'm not out raising money for Ken. Not my purpose. But God has prepared a very specific purpose for Bill Butenwerf. Pretty sure it includes preaching. Pretty sure it includes teaching. Pretty sure it includes evangelism. Pretty sure it includes drilling wells in Africa. Pretty sure it includes giving money to the poor. Pretty sure these all are included in there. But that's for me. It's very specific. It's tailor-made for me. And God planned all that stuff in advance. He said, I'm going to make this guy... He's going to get called Bill. He's going to be tall, lanky, you know. And, uh, and, and this, these are the things I plan for him to do. What about for you? Do you know what God has planned for you to do? What's your purpose? What is your ministry that God said, this is where you're going to shine? This is where people are going to come flocking to you and say, wow, I want to be just like so-and-so because they do this so well. And they look at your life and they're, they're excited. A specific purpose. You know, for me, there's also being a good father, being a good husband, being a good pastor, um, managing the church. These are all God's purposes for my life. I know what they are. Um, and so I try to do the best I can. And it, gives, it gets me up in the morning. It gives me fire to get going. Uh, and then fifth thing. We were made for mission. And so the fifth purpose in our life is to live out real evangelism. Sometimes we think this is part of the number four, you know, our ministry. But I think this needs to be its own special category because otherwise it gets shoved off to the side. Well, I have my ministry. I teach Sunday school. I have my ministry. I, you know, do the sound room at church and I I lead on the worship team. But you know what? All disciples of Jesus Christ are called to share their faith with other people. And I know people say, well, I don't have that gift. Sure, you don't lead hundreds of people to the Lord. That's okay. You know, I didn't lead hundreds of people to the Lord when I was a teenager or in my 20s either. But you know, I did go door to door 
knocking on doors, sharing Christ with people. I did go out on the street sharing, sharing with people. didn't lead anyone to Christ. But guess what? I learned how to do it. <laughs> you know? It, it's scary. I, I hated doing that. But I learned how to do it. And Evangelism Explosion, best teaching tool ever, went out there and watched someone else lead someone to the Lord right in front of my eyes. I was like, well, that didn't seem very hard. <laughs> Next week, I was leading someone to the Lord, and I'm like, oh, this is not that difficult. And then the Lord gave me the gift. So, you know, some you might say, well, I don't have the gift, this gift or that gift. Well, sometimes we need to work closely with the Spirit and ask for the greater gifts. Evangelism is one of those great gifts. Ask for it. Seek it. Work hard on it. And God may give you that gift. Or maybe you'll just keep struggling, but there will be one or two that come to the Lord through your testimony. Uh, Do I have the Great Commission on slide? I do. Look at that. And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I am with you, teaching them to obey everything I commanded. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I love this. Jesus is saying, you know, I've got all the authority, so you go. I'm like, hold on a sec. He's giving us the authority there. And so we go. And what's our role? What's our purpose according to this? Make disciples of all nations. Uh, You know, sometimes people say, oh, oh, our purpose is to go. No, our purpose is not to go. It's to make disciples. Baptizing them and teaching them. These are things that we do. That's part of making disciples. This is what all Christians ought to be involved in. Somehow. And maybe you just have a tiny little part, like making sure that the sermon gets heard by being in the sound room on Sunday morning. I don't know. But it's all part of making disciples. uh, Whatever we do. Um, The Bible says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. I love that verse. You know, it basically says, you know, like rather than trying to find your own uh, fortune or trying to, you know, do really well in, in school or whatever, just seek God's kingdom and God will let you do well in school and he'll provide for all your needs. And so this doesn't mean that you have to become a pastor or a priest or or priest, I don't know where that came from, pastor or a missionary or whatever. Uh, no, God can use you wherever you are. You, as, a, as a, you know, a musician or as a dentist or as a, uh, a janitor, God can use you wherever you are um, as his ambassador. I love what one lady said, you know, like she was asked, well, what do you do? Um, you know, and the implication was, what do you do for a living? And she says, oh, I'm an ambassador for Christ, cleverly disguised as a machinist. Don't you love that? That's just like, yeah, I'm an ambassador for Christ, cleverly disguised as a bus driver. I'm an ambassador for Christ, Christ, cleverly disguised as a teacher. I'm an ambassador for Christ, cleverly disguised as a janitor. This is awesome. This is what we ought to be. We ought to be on mission all the time, sharing who we are. You know, um, you know, Jesus Christ, what do we know as Christ's passion? 
it was his suffering, right? And I've talked about this the last couple of, of uh, communion meals where we've had together and I've talked about in kind of in detail about how much, how passionate what Jesus was for us. And he's saying we need that same kind of passion in us. You know, we need the, 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 you know, it says that Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. <clears throat> I love that line. He's like, he's looking past the difficulties to the fact that millions and billions of people are going to be walking with him in glory one day and are going to be saved. And so that was his joy. That's what he put his focus on. But he had to go through the cross. And they call the cross his passion. It's because he want, his whole life was geared to that thing, to that place. You know, Jesus... Oh. <laughs> Sorry, I'm doing a wedding this afternoon. I'm starting to preach the wedding sermon. <laughs> Oh dear. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> uh, moving on. <laughs> Gets all jumbled up in there. I want you to just think about this one last point about our purpose in life. Do you remember Moses? What was Moses' purpose? Well, one of his great purpose in his life was to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt, right? And so God comes to him. And he says, I want you to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. Oh, no, I can't do that. But you're, I want you to. Well, well, you know, like, send Aaron. You know, send somebody else. And God keeps at it. And, and finally Moses says, well, what sign are you going to, you know, like, I need a sign or something. And God says to him, what is that that you have in your hand? A staff. A staff in my hand. Now, the staff was a symbol of who Moses was. He's a shepherd. So it's a staff. Uh, it's, a, it's a symbol of who he was as a person. The, the shepherd's staff was also a symbol of his income. He was a shepherd, and he got money. You know, his, his bank account was there grazing in the grass, you know. That, that's, they didn't have banks. That was his income. And his staff was also something that he used to influence the sheep, you know, by hook or by crook. You know, you either pull the sheep or you poke them, right? <laughs> and, and that's what the, the shepherd... But God says, what does he say? What do you have? Throw it down. And he throws it down and it becomes a snake. And then God says, stretch forth your hand and pick it up again. And he picks it up and it becomes a staff again. Now... God used this staff for all ten plagues of Egypt. God used this staff when he, he pointed it over the Red Sea and the waters parted. It was something that Moses already had. God wants to use what you already have. And he wants to use it for his kingdom. He's not asking you for some, something that you don't have. He's just saying, take your talents... Take your abilities, give them over to God, and give them to me, and I will take them, and I will change those, and I will infuse them with power, just like he infused that staff with power. 
And you will become so much greater than what you ever thought possible when you're empowered by God. But you need to line yourself up with God's purpose. Because if you're still doing your purpose, what does Jesus say? You ask and receive not because you ask to, to just spend it upon yourself. If you're asking for the Holy Spirit and you're lined up with God's purposes, those five purposes we just talked about, then God is very likely to fill you with this power and take what you have and use it for his kingdom. Okay, i got to finish the sermon today, okay? Because otherwise, you know, like, this is going on forever. Last point, okay? An undernourished spirit will kill your passion. Every day we face things that drain us, right? Uh, you know, the kids are needing us, our wives are needing us, our, our jobs are needing us, and they drain, drain, drain. If you don't get nourished in your soul, if you don't get refilled, it's gonna, it's gonna, your passion is going to dry up. Um, you have disappointments, distractions, and conflicts. So, and this is kind of in review. Basically, we need four things to be nourished, right? Four things. You need a time of worship with God every day. I know we worship here in, in church, and it's awesome. But God also calls us to worship at our homes. And I'm telling you, I'm not very good at this. I'm not, I don't, I'm not a vocalist by any stretch. And I often forget to just worship God. And yet, this is what we need. You need to read God's Word to be, grow, to be more like Christ. This is how we get input in our life. You need to have a ministry where you're using your talents and helping other people. I'm starting to repeat myself. <laughs> That's the way the sermon is. Uh, you need a mission in the world where you're sharing your faith. If you just choose one of these things, you know, like, oh, I'm just going to read my Bible faithfully every day. It's not enough to nourish your soul. You need all of this. Um, and so we plug into God because he is passionate about us, because he showed his passion by dying on the cross for us. Um, <clears throat> so I, I'd like you to just think about this list, if we could have the list up on, on the screen. Unconfessed sin. Is that you? Unbalanced schedule. Unused talent. Unresolved conflict. Is there somebody that you need to straighten things up with? Unsupported lifestyle. You, you're just running your Christian life, but there's nobody that really knows about their struggles that you're going through. Or do you have a connect group where you can share your, your hardships, where you can get prayed for? Uh, an unclear purpose. Well, we talked about that. Or under near spirit. What, what is the thing you need to confess today? You know, sometimes I talk about sin from up here. What's the greatest sin ever? Yeah, rejection of God, rejection of Jesus. I think there's one even... Well, it's very close to that, yeah. It's not, you know, adultery or murder. Those are big ones for sure. But I think the Bible portrays it as just treating God with indifference. Just indifference towards God. In Revelation 3, uh, Jesus said, or, or yeah, Jesus says to the church, you know, I would that you be either hot or cold, but since you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Ugh. 
Ever drink warm milk? Ugh. Nasty stuff. <laughs> it, it, this is not right. And God says, I'm going to spit you in my mouth. You know, Jesus died on the cross for you. And then he comes along and he says, hey, let's, have some, let's spend some time together. Oh, no, I, I got this show on TV I'm going to watch. Jesus died on the cross, suffered horribly for your sins. And he says, hey, I want to spend some time with you. Oh, maybe later. God wants us to be as passionate about him as he is passionate about us. That's what these, this is all about, really. It's just putting God first. And then God will infuse us with his Holy Spirit, empower us to make a difference. You know, Terry Fox had a huge and lasting uh, legacy in Canada and around the world. What's your legacy? What's my I got two good legs, you know? Terry Fox just won. He still ran halfway across the country to leave a legacy. What legacy are you going to leave? What am I going to leave? Let's pray. And I, I just right now, if there's something you need to confess from this list, let's leave the list up there. Just for, let's see, I just want to give you a moment to confess something and to commit to doing something about it. Lord, you know my weaknesses, so I ask that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit. And that thing I just committed to you to do, Lord, I pray that you would make it a a pillar in my life. Where I'm doing it regularly, where I'm following your ways. Lord, I pray that you give me passion for it. Right now, it's not really a passion in my life, but Lord, I pray that you would give me a passion for that thing. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Worship team, come and lead us in the final song.